podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Insure Ans. Insure Ans. With three A's. It's time to let go of your insurance frustrations and experience insurance the way insurance should be with a brand as dependable as AAA. Visit AAA.com slash insurance for a quote on auto and home. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Muff as we cover all things Celtic. It was a weekend of milestones for Celtic as the 2-0-1 over Dundee United saw a first Celtic appearance for O, a 400th appearance for our captain Callum McGregor and a 50th Scottish Premiership win for Ange Postacoglu. Elsewhere we're about to see the end of Ange's fourth transfer window and we'll take a closer look at that just shortly and see how he's fared. Muff, in the meantime, a good one at Tannadice and the Ange machine rolls on. What's your take on things at the moment and what's been your Celtic moment of the week? Hello Tino, hello James, hello listeners. Uh, yes, uh, we're in a good place I would say. 10 points better off than last year, I think, 10 points. So, yep, seems a happy camp. The expected departure of, of Juranovic and potentially Giacomakis aside, I think it's it's been you know a, a good month of, of January. We've maintained the lead at the top of the table and uh, my moment of the week would be not only Callum McGregor's 400th appearance, but the, the words of Ange. Uh, in describing it, I thought it was, it was unusually effusive praise that he gave him. It was it was really lovely to see and hear, and I think it's just fitting for a for a man who's been so crucial to the success that we've had, and, and certainly our re-emergence after the disaster of the twenty season. Yeah, James, four hundred Celtic appearances for McGregor, fifty Scottish Premiership wins for Ange, no better men to be leading the Celtic dressing room. Your thoughts on that and your Celtic moment of the week? Yeah, the two of them have. Yeah, an outstanding partnership together as manager and, and leader of the players. You know, um, seeing on the post match yesterday, it was really interesting that Ange said he's never been in the dressing room at Lennox Town because that's Cal McGregor's domain. So on on the pitch, you picked the very the very word. It's a machine. You know, they just go about their business, and off the pitch, it's getting to that as well, where they know exactly what they need to do. This the the talent team, if you like, they get the guys out that are looking for something new, and they get the guys in that Ange needs. And, you know, I suppose worth mentioning, sad uh, to see Mercedes Jens go, but I think it was that Mercedes story that, that killed the man's went, that's not true, I'm not having that. Yeah, I'm uh, not buying that. Yeah, that was the end of it. So, but I, so fair about him and a really nice, you know, sign off from him. I thought there was something there, but I, I genuinely don't think he recovered from Madrid, the kind of clumsy penalties and defending there. I think I said, that's not quite what I'm looking for. So we'll see uh, what Kobayashi brings to the team there. Yeah. And your moment of the week? Moment of the week it is in the signing side. It's uh, O's debut. Um, we saw an awful lot in that 10, 15 minutes. The physicality, the, you know, able to come and get the ball and take the ball at his feet, which Jack and Marcus, that just wasn't his game. And I, I, that's, that's no slight on him. He was just great between the posts. But, you know, O's got a bit more. And this, this is just Ange saying, that's not quite right. But if he could do this, and O can do that. So we're going to get what we need. Yeah, I think some folk are just seeing the. The physique on Owen just saying, oh, him and Jack Amakis, similar types of guys, powerful frontmen. I think they look like they're very different types of players. Had Maeda connected correctly right at the death, it'd have been a one game, one Absolutely. assist for. Oh, yeah. it was a brilliant cross uh, across the front of the, the face of the goal. So, yeah, good start for him and uh, hopefully we see a bit more of him this week. Okay, so let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. First up, it's this week's big debate as we enter the final hours of the January transfer window and we'll take a look at the performance of the club in what is now Ange's fourth transfer window as manager. Then it's time for this week's mystery sell as I go head-to-head with the lads once again as they try and name the famous ex-sell. We'll then move on to this week's listener's question, which is one that will definitely split opinion as we debate the legacy, inverted commas, of a certain Brendan Rodgers. And finally, we'll finish the show by highlighting something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic Media. Okay, so to get us started, our big debate focuses on the business that the club has done during this latest transfer window as Ange Postacoglu continues to fine-tune the squad in what is now his fourth window. I think I've said that about three times. I need to get new lines. Window, window, window. Yeah, I need a new yeah. writer. Anyway, uh, three key questions. Question number one, has he recruited in the right areas? Question number two, has anyone moved on that you'd rather have seen the club keep? And ultimately, question number three, have we come out the window stronger than we were at the start of it? James, your initial response to that? What was question one? Jeez, so, has he recruited in the right areas? 
Yes. Has anyone been moved on that you'd rather have seen the club keep? And ultimately, have we come out the window stronger than we were at the start? This could be a really short debate. Yes. So when you're writing questions, you want open questions. So they're very closed questions, I would say. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's been an outstanding window. And I think Ange would say the same. I think there are still areas to, to tighten up on. But, you know, everything we wanted to do in this particular frame, we've done. You know, I'm sure Ange would have rather kept a Yaranovic around the building, maybe a Giacomacus. But when guys are you know, putting their head above the parapet, you're gone, you know, as you always say, you're all, in, all the way in or all the way out. And for those two, Yakimakis yet to follow, but it looks like he'll be all the way out as well. Um, we're very happy with the, the performance and we need to start shining a light on the guys, you know, in the recruitment team. That's, you know, Mark Lowell and co. They're doing an outstanding job. Of course, they've been doing that for, you know, since before Lowell came, came in, but it's now starting to look very, very slick. Yeah, Maff, speaking of all the way out, have you enjoyed James's last appearance on the <laughs> It's been great working with you, James, thanks. Um, so, have we recruited in the right areas? Yes. Johnson in the door before Juranovic, Kobayashi in the door before Jens leaving, and O being in the door before Jack Amakis's predicted exit. I don't think you can say much fairer than that. Iwata also in before Abelgard went back or just around the time Abelgard went back so clearly and just seen him in training seen limited game time certainly Abelgard would probably fit the limited game time more than anyone else um, I agree with James on Jens thought probably was something there that could have been worked on long term but ultimately and like he probably has with Jack Amakis as well has been really really harsh and maybe even Juranovic too in terms of Champions League performances guys that we've spent a bit of money on that are experienced, that he's brought in, less so Jens, but definitely Janovich, Jack and Marcus, and he's just went, no. And we've got those replacements in. I personally think Johnson looks, dare I say, very early days, I think he might be an upgrade. I think could, he might could be an upgrade. Be the only place, I think he could actually do a game or two once Ralston's back to really, really work on the, the, the final third yep. side of things. I think he's excellent coming forward, I think he's excellent at the back. It's just all very new for him, but I think you're right, the, the fundamentals are there that could be an upgrade. I think the, the athleticism's the thing that yeah. stands out to me, and that ties right in with Ange. Now, Juranovic, I watched him doing shuttles during pre-season, and Juranovic is, is probably the fittest and fastest player there. Um, well, Maeda in terms of fastness, but he was doing the shuttle runs and he was outrunning everybody that was, that was with him. It, it was incredible to see. So, you knew that was in there. I think what would probably be the most... Disturbing thing about but Juranovic is it, I don't really feel that he kicked on after that first season. He, he, his head seemed to be turned in the summer, and I just think that a combination of factors, including the mid-season World Cup, meant that we just never seen that natural improvement and kick on that you would expect to see, that you would have hoped to see. And obviously, I just picked up on that and thought, no, your yeah. time's up. Despite the, the very deliberate inverted fullback approach that Ange takes, first and foremost as a defender, you must be able to defend. And I think we've seen some weaknesses in Juranovic's defensive game, whereas Johnson comes in and you can see primarily he's a defender. He likes the rough and tumble, he likes the physical stuff, but he's also got something to offer moving forward, and that'll only improve working under Ange. So I think you're right, Miff, it could potentially be an upgrade and we'll wait and see. So just to summarise the, the incomings, four major deals at the moment. We might have more as we get into the final hours here, but Yuki Kobayashi, 22 years of age, left-sided centre-half. He came in from Vissel Kobe, uh, Kyogo's old team, on a five-year deal. You've then got Alistair Johnson, 24 years of age, right back from CF Montreal in the MLS. Again, a five-year deal. This is kind of the normal Celtic now, as we've seen. Uh, Tomoki Iwata, he was then confirmed early January, 25 years old, defensive midfielder, and his old side, Yokohama Marinos. And it's this deal similar to Maeda's. It's an initial loan deal, which will then go on to become a long-term deal, probably five years. And finally, oh, that was confirmed last week, 21 years of age, striker from Suwon, Samsung Blue Wings, five-year deal, two and a half million. So... Are those the key areas we should have been shoring up in, James? So, left-sided centre-half, right-back, defensive midfield and striker. Were those the most important areas in this window? Yeah, but, you know, you kind of have to take um, Johnson and O out of things because they're really just, you know, we've got one out, one in for those positions. So, I, I think we had to improve in the striking options before Giacomacus was for leaving and, and O was coming in. So, I, I think we're still like there. Although, in saying that, you couldn't bring in a proven striker there because three for one is, is really hard two for one is difficult 
three for ones now on Impossible. What I was really looking for was a young up and comer, you know, getting someone that they kind of, you know, the talk was that Ronnie Dyle had Haaland on his list. Uh, to law and law went, nah, you know, and he was like 17, 18, he was banging goals. You're looking for someone like that, you can take and coach and get goals out of them, but they're not going to be overly demanded in terms of appearances off the bench and stuff like that. So not not so much we could say about striker and right back. I think we had cover anyway at right back, and I don't mean that as, as any slight to Tony Ralston. I think Ralston has been you know, a first-team player um, this season, particularly in, in light of Juranovic. So the two of those guys, um, Ralston and Johnson, they'll just duke that out. So the the really interesting one for me is Iwata because of the versatility and Yuki uh, as well. His versatility across the back, left-hand side. So you, we were looking at, right, we want four centre-halves, Katowicker, Starfelt, now we've got Yuki, and it was going to be Jens or Welsh. I still think... Welsh will go if not now then in the summer because it's Iwata that can step back into that role so he's giving you cover at the centre half as well mm-hmm. it's these versatile signings that Angie's been looking for that you're not you know a nailed on you know centre half left wing whatever it may be you've got a bit of versatility if I need you over there I can use you without square peg round hole in it yeah if only I had some handy quotes here about how, how Angie intends to use Tomoki Iwata and his versatility myself and Angie are just so you know yeah so Angie's speaking about uh, Iwata and how how he plans to use them so he says it gives us more options and we can change things around a bit we can even change the formation at times not necessarily short term but over the long term obviously Callum's been outstanding and he's outstanding wherever you play him we had a period when he was out though and we put Matt O'Reilly back there Matt did a great job but we didn't have an obvious guy who could come in and play that role Tomoki is a different type of number six and I think he and Cal could play together that's something we'll look at the key thing is it gives us more options and flexibility around the way we can set up the team the beauty of having someone like Callum is that wherever you put him, you don't lose any effectiveness. Miff, does this lean towards the possibility of Ange flipping that midfield three and maybe having two defensive midfielders sitting in Europe next season? I think that's what it alludes to. I think the, the tactical flexibility probably comes from there was games that we were we were dominating, then there were periods we were on the back foot and we ourselves allowed the game to be stretched. I think we were we were quite just naive would be the word that I would use but Ange probably felt he didn't have the personnel within the squad just to go and put on you know I think we would agree McCarthy's probably not up to Champions League level these days was at one point but probably not anymore so with, with those things considered having, having a plan B and the fact that Ange is willing to look at the first season in the Champions League and, and instigate a plan B that, that's that's good news for us because I, I, I don't think we would want another <clears throat> excuse me, another uh, campaign to go the way that, that that one did. There was so much hope in it in terms of performance, but ultimately it's a results business and I think Ange, Ange appreciates that. If you want to dine at the top table, you need to find more than one way of winning. Yeah. Can you explore where you lads feel that we might still be light at this moment in time? I've said that a few times now on recent shows. Goalkeeper and left back for me, not right now. It's not you know an acute problem, but I do think we need to look at a succession plan for Joe Hart. And Miff, with a wee chat um, on the, the post-match yesterday, I'm just not sure about Burnaby yet, what's happening. He wasn't even in the squad at the weekend. It's not particularly encouraging for a guy who spent £300 million. He's not injured, he's just not in the picture at this moment in time. So, in terms of squad depth, I've got a graphic here in front of me. I know you lads seen it earlier on, but you've, you know, you've got your goalies, Hart, Segrist, Bain, two right-backs we mentioned, Johnson and Ralston, Taylor and Burnaby at left-back. We've got five centre-halves if you include Bose and Lawal, so CCV, Starfelt, Kobayashi, Welsh, Lawal. Centre-mids, we've got a whole host of bodies in there right now, so Callum McGregor, of course, Aaron Moy, Iwata, Abelgard, Idaguchi and McCarthy. And I'll get to them in a second because Andrew's talked about the kind of potential plans to move them out. You've also got Rio Hitati, Matt O'Reilly, David Turnbull, more attack-minded midfielders. On the left wing, Jota, Dyson Maeda and Sead Haksabanovic. On the right, Lea Labada and James Forrest, and up top now, Furuhashi, O, and Jack Amakis looks like he's moving on. So as I say, goalie and left-back for me, James, do you see any other gaps there? We seem to be well-stocked in various areas. Well, maybe a wee bit light in right wing. You know, there's the, a lot of the top talent likes to play in the left. You know, if you're, you're, you really are trying to shoehorn at the moment in terms of form. Jota and Dyson at the same, time, same team, and they both like to play on the left. So well-stocked there. Hagzabanovic is a left or a 10 kind of thing. He's, he's a bit more flexible. Um, but on the right, you've got a bad at. James has still, you know, got a bit to play, but it's, you know, we need to be thinking, and Ange is thinking, 
right, how am I setting up for Champions League group stage next next year, next season rather? Um, and no slight, but James is not that, you know. So if there's an injury to Abada, you're going to be putting the left guys on the right and things like that. So there may be a wee bit like there. Don't see any youth coming through that could take that at the moment. Um, so I think there's something to do there. Midfield-wise, maybe we're a wee bit like in the attacking side based on O'Reilly's form, who I think he's a real talent, O'Reilly, but he's just had a disjointed season between you know, different positions, World Cup break, and then coming back to his old position. You've seen him on, on Sunday, you know, just frustrated, you know, and, and then you get to that trying too hard phase, and he's definitely doing that. So it's, can we get O'Reilly? O'Reilly back to you know where he was last season and, and showing his, his real potential or is he a big number sale you know because there's a lot of interest in him given his versatility and his talent yeah yeah and I, I could imagine there'll be teams looking at him despite his you know poor form at the moment we know he's got it or most of us know he's got it Paddy's not a big fan but we'll, we'll see how that goes Muff I don't want to speculate too much but I think James mentioned O'Reilly there I think Abada may be our next big sale he's there's a bit of talk about how Celtic have offered him a new deal and that's not quite been settled just yet. So I don't want to, you know, pick something out of nothing, but he's a young, exciting talent. You can see why many teams across Europe might be looking at him. And all of a sudden, if we were to lose him and James Forrest was the, was the only natural right-sided forward or right winger, we might be a bit light in there right enough. Possibly. I, I think the the talent that you mentioned there, James, around whether it be Haksabanovic, Maida and Joe, I think they've all got the ability to play in the right. You could argue they are less effective when they play there, but that's, that's all. I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think they all can be less effective. Argue, you know, I would say you're, you're probably well enough covered. I take the point about Forrest. He's, you know, he's there as part of the squad, but when you're talking about starting the Champions League. You're probably even wanting an upgrade. Now, a bad, I never mind, never mind Forrest, but. I, I agree with the sentiment about O'Reilly and Abad are probably the two most sellable assets given their age and, and the amount of potential that they show but I, I would I would argue the, the point that it's probably those next couple of years where they're going to add to that value and, and the exposure we give them is going to be key to that so I would I would hope that they, they aren't the next ones that, that, that we sell um, I still feel we need another striker Um Established or not, I, I take James's point that you, you know if you brought in somebody, let's say Kevin Nisbet, someone that, that jumps to mind, I know he knocked back that move to Millwall, but if you bring in a, an established SPL striker like Nisbet, he's probably not going to move Hibs to sit on the, the bench every week. The door would be different. The door would be different, but he's, he's life changing for him. He's no, he's not going to get, you know, he's not going to get a lot of opportunity. What do you think he's on like three, four a week or something? Something like that, Somewhat. you know. So you can move that to 17, 15, 16 or whatever, you know. It's interesting, just very briefly on this, but that he travelled, done the medical or whatever at my wall, and then changed his mind. I'm not saying it's a Celtic thing, but something's. Uh, well, I you maybe get a feel for the culture as well as, as well as the medical. You're getting a feel for what, what's this, where's this club going, and what's the the atmosphere like, you know. But then he's uh, back to Easter Road, so uh, uh, I, th- I think that there's something there. I think he'll go somewhere. Yeah, I think he will. So there, yeah. Um, Aside from these various um, positions outfield, I'd mentioned the goalkeeper. So I think Joe Hart's been brilliant for Celtic. You know, he's having another good season. I think Sunday was the fifth clean sheet in a row. Uh, but at nearly 36 years of age, we should be looking at a succession plan. That's just common sense. Hard to tell because we've not seen much from certainly in a, a Celtic shirt, but I don't think it's Segrist. It doesn't seem like he's chapping the door hard enough. He's been a wee bit unlucky with some injuries, some niggly stuff. We know it's not Scott Bain, with all due respect. He's a third-choice goalie. So it's an area we should be looking at. Absolutely, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of looking for, you know, Fraser Foster at his peak against Lazio and stuff like that. That that kind of like, you need that in the Champions League, you know, worldy saves that really just pull you out of the fire. But Foster couldn't play with the ball at his feet, so I'm not advocating any kind of, you know, going back in time and trying to sign him. But you're looking for that kind of player that, you know, is commanding, can pull off worldy saves, but also can play Angie's football. It's a big ask. It's difficult. It's probably better that you you know find potential and train a, a guy up like that, but you know that's not going to that's not going to be quick. I don't know the name of the player involved, so this is almost useless. But somebody was talking about um, a Liverpool reserve goalie who's been trained up in that way. Uh, yes, potentially. He's, he's thirty million. Right, right. Back to the <laughs> back to the drop off. No, but I'm thinking. You know, did we get someone who's maybe not those individuals, but someone who's not quite going to make it at a Liverpool, Man City, or whatever? But they've been trained in that way. You know, the likes of you know Celtic have have benefited a lot from Man City 
youths who haven't made it at that level could be potentially be shopping in those areas for a goalkeeper and, because and you can do swaps like because Rosiglis is a decent sub goalie so if someone's if you want their sub goalie you can give them a decent goalie in return you know, it's not that you're leaving them with nothing. Aye, I think Pep's crying out for Benji Segrist. <laughs> I sent him He's been down. following his Instagram. Yeah, he's like, No, but I do think we need to plan for a goalkeeper who, who is good with the ball at his feet. We can clearly see that's how Ange wants to play. Joe Hart has adapted admirably most of the time. I think he's done well. But he's had some moments. Uh, uh, Leipzig away was a, a clanger, for example. But anyway, we know that moving forward, we need someone there. So it's an interesting area. Um and I'm sure the club will have a close eye on it. I want to take a wee look at the exits and not to dwell too much on stuff that we've spoken about in terms of Juranovic and Giacomakis. But Juranovic, as we know, is now at Union Berlin. 7.5 million could rise to 10. He had an assist on his first game for them last week. But he was in sub not used at the weekend, which was interesting. Maybe just, you know, a bit of rest. Who knows? But they're, they're sitting second in the league. They're in a good position. We now know that Maurice Jens has been, uh, I was going to say, sent back to Lorient. He's actually gone out to Schalke for the rest of the season. They're rock bottom of the Bundesliga at the moment, so work to be done. Scott Robertson, the young midfielder, has gone to Fleetwood Town with Bruni on a free transfer. And at the moment, TBC, but Giacomacus looks like he's going to Atlanta United in the MLS, a fee of around £3.5 rising based on some bon- uh some bonus payments the latest quotes from Anjon Giacomacus so he says there's still speculation around him there's nothing concrete but it's fair to say there is still interest as with all these things there has to be agreement amongst all parties the player needs to want to go to the destination and we as a football club have to be satisfied that our demands are being met and the interested club need to be happy too it takes a little bit of time but I'm pretty relaxed about it if it happens it happens if it doesn't he stays part of our group moving forward Muff, do you think we should have held out on any of these players, you know, the four that I've mentioned there, or are you happy enough with how that's played out? Have the club made the right calls? Yeah, I think that having the context of the way things have developed, if you look at it purely in ability, would I like to have kept Juranovic? Yes, I think I think he's class, and he showed that at the World Cup as well when he's when he's concentrated, switched on. I would have liked to have kept that version of Juranovic, but ultimately it goes back to a much repeated point on here if there's any inkling that the player doesn't want to be within the group we move them on and seems to be very very um, insistent that that's the case and lessons learned from previous campaigns where we've failed keeping disengaged players just doesn't work and it has an effect in the overall squad so for me we're right to move them on but Jack and Marcus and Juranovic have already proven their worth to have around the squad so I would have liked to have kept them um, we are saying goodbye to a lot of goals in Giacomacus you know he is a proven goal scorer and, and he works within the system because your centre forward in Angie's system doesn't see a lot of the ball they're just asked to put the ball in the back of the net and he was he was pretty good at that I think it's just a reaction to you know new agent maybe asking for a bit more money than was, was on the table or chancing at a bit and asking for a lot more money that was on the table, who knows, we, we never know the final details of these things, but I do think there's also the fact that we, we passed up a hell of a lot of chances in, in big games in, in the Champions League of which Jack and Marcus was partly culpable and so as a result of that Andrews just went out and thought, well for value for money I can I can probably bring better in for cheaper and, and, and he's done it I think Ange very much takes the approach staying still is the equivalent of going backwards and he's always looking to improve and Jack and Marcus is Fine, he's good, he can be effective, he's popular with the fans, but we can possibly do better. In fact, we can definitely do better, and I think that's what Ange has seen, whether it's with O or maybe a, a third striker coming in, James. Do you have any qualms yourself about the, the four guys, Juranovic, Jens, Robertson and Jack Marcus leaving the building? Not really. Um, even as Jens, who I, I thought there was something there, you know, there was a bit of clumsiness about him as well, and it's maybe just too late in the day, but was he 23, not that old, was he? 23. Yeah, so it's coaching time in there, but yeah, like I said, I, I don't think he got back from Madrid he was just, just seen as his clumsiness was, was culpable there um, I think with the other two it's it's really just the, the culture and just you know that reinforces Angie's culture of you know full commitment to the cause here if there's anything less than 100% you're gone it's you know and that, that just tells others that you know yeah, by all means be ambitious you know have your career career plan but if you start doing it mid-season, you know, really, I mean, Juranovic was doing that at a really important time for us with Champions League games and, and stuff, you know, and not getting full engagement from him. So I think Ange was, you know, spot on to put his foot down there and, and show others that, you know, yep, if you want to go, go, but you're gone. There was a suggestion that Giacomacus asked the question about more money and then realised, oh, <laughs> I've tried to walk it back. Here. 
tried to step it back because Ange didn't respond too kindly. But as you say, James, all the way in or all the way out and looks like Jack Amakis will be all the way out. There's potential further exits I'd mentioned there, Muff, uh, particularly in centre midfield, James McCarthy, Yusuke Eriguchi and Oliver Abelgard. I don't know if you think Abelgard's away. He's not gone yet. No. He's still part of the, the setup at the moment. Um, again, Angie's been quoted. He's, he was asked directly about those three guys just across the weekend. He says, for the guys who are not getting opportunities, it really comes down to them and seeing what's the be- what the best options are. I'm in dialogue with those guys. It's not about forcing people out, but there is a realism in terms of how much opportunity you get to play. If you mention those three guys, they're at an age where the less football they play, the fewer options they'll have. So no one's been forced out the door. But you can read between the lines with Andy's words there that everyone knows where they stand and it's clear that for a range of reasons there's no future at Celtic, unfortunately, for James McCarthy, Adaguchi or Abelgard. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Abelgard. Obviously none of us do. I think Adaguchi has just been very unfortunate. Um, same old Alawa, always cheating. Um, just just difficult for him, the, the timing of that injury. And he never really got a chance to come back from it. So that, that's unfortunate. McCarthy's a real disappointing one for me. It's just, it happened too late. You know, always wanted to see him at Celtic. He finally got there and I'm sure he did as well. Um, we might come on to talk about Peter Law later in the show and how, how he offered McCarthy four grand when Wigmore offered him something like 20 or something like that, you know. So um, it just happened too late for him and it'd be really, it's going to be really sad because he's not going to play first team football at Celtic. So you have to ask what's what's the best move for him personally. He might be going, well, I'm on X grand a week for doing nothing. It's pretty all right. You know, I'm up the road with my family. So we'll see where that goes. But it'd be good for him to go and play football somewhere. He even hips or something like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of James McCarthy and I really wanted it to work out, but it looks like it hasn't. I suppose he's realised the dream and, and pulling on the hoops. But I think for him, the other two lads, Adaguchi and Abelgard, if they want to play football, if they're ambitious and don't just want to pick up a wage, they should be looking to move on. Absolutely. The nature of it is Ange gets the players in, has a look, and and he will play if you're in form or he feels that you're up to the task. It, it's, it's been simply a case, I think we could all see fairly early on that the McCarthy-type player was not fit into the system yeah. um, as much as we all wanted it to work because you know, you could, you know how much it meant to McCarthy to be in the squad. Albeit that I, I think what's clear for seen a lot of the, the output for Celtic TV and things like that he's quite a really highly valued member of the squad I think you know his experience has come in really handy in, in Angie's first year as well I think he's been a good support to McGregor in the dressing room there's a lot of suggestions around that um, so even though he may not have played as many games as, as we would all have hoped and he would have hoped I think he still had a big impact in the time that he's been there around you know in, in, in the background but ultimately a football player doesn't really care greatly about that they want to be on the part and they want to be playing on a Saturday or a Sunday so um, Avogard Looked like he liked to tackle, looked a bit rigid for me. I think with a look at him and thought, nah, this isn't going to work. Eriguchi's the one that's a, a, wee bit of, a wee bit of a killer, to be honest with you. He came with a lot of high hopes. Looked like he was pretty silky on the ball and things like that. Just once you get a bad injury, like that, it's really hard to come back back from. I remember at the time after the tackle, there, there was loads of people saying, oh, we take that tackle at the game, football's finished and things like that, but it's... Uh, it was a bad oh. one. Really, really bad one. Really bad Shocker. one. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans might say, well... We barely got to see Adaguchi and Abogard. We just don't know those guys weren't given a chance. But I think the way Ange trains, it's train as you play type stuff. There'll be lots of 11 v 11 bounce game type scenarios and behind closed doors friendlies up at Lennox Town. He'll have seen enough. I think by now we trust oh, his judgment. And I think the process is working in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in in terms specifically of Adaguchi, the type of injury he had to come back and. I, I thought he looked like he'd actually lost a, a wee half year I seen him in pre-season and he looked just kind of so to react I know, it was, I know it was pre-season but just his mobility to get around the park seemed to have been affected by the injury so you know not having a lot of game time to impress Ange coupled by the type of injury that he had it's just it, as James says it's really really unfortunate Yeah, he's also then trying to come back into a, a more established midfield than it was when he got injured who are essentially flying you know it's, it's hard to pick who you're getting into that midfield never mind and you guys to the mix so all that put together just he was the guy that everyone said you know of, of all the guys that have come from Japan he's the talent and football's a funny old game yeah what's really interesting is that it's clear I mentioned this last week I think that Ange has been desperate to find that alternative number six to McGregor whether it's to play with him or in place of him at times he's tried it with you could question how much Ange was involved in the McCarthy signing you know separate conversation but McCarthy's been an option there, Adaguchi and Abugard. They've all been possibilities as number sixes, 
and none of them have worked out. Now the big hope is that Awata is the guy and Ange seems to be very confident. He's speaking glowingly about him, so he seems very confident that that one's going to be one that works out. Um, final three quick-fire questions on this uh, debate before we move on. James, two are closed questions and one is open. You know, just, I know you've... You're at the closing stage, this is okay? This is okay. So question number one, are we stronger now than when, than when we entered the January window? Question number two, is there anything you wish the club had done differently? And question number three, are you happy with the work that Ange, Mark Lowell and Michael Nicholson continue to do? Miff, I'll come to you first. Uh, hard to say if we're stronger or weaker because it'll probably take a bit of time. On on the face of it, I would say yes because you've got two guys in that are clearly desperate to be there in Johnson and O. A lot of, we're yet to see him play any, any significant game time but the hope is that he'll be the same uh, not too much I, th- I think we could have done differently I, th- I think there seems to be a unity from boardroom down into the management of the playing staff so fine with that and I think the work that uh, Lowell, Nicholson and, and Core are doing is, co- is clearly reaping benefits I think f- we're ahead of the game in terms of our recruitment we, we have replacements identified before People are leaving, our players are leaving, which is it's just so unCeltic like from what we'll have experienced up to this point. And long may it continue. Yeah, this proactive approach, James, it seems to be making sense for some reason. And it, it it's it's very much working. So if you go in reverse order, that's that's the work of Nicholson and, and Mark Lowell there. You know, it's just we've said it long enough on here, it's it's so strange to watch Celtic approach these things with such a professional attitude and execution. Um, I don't think, you know, for question two, there's, there's an awful lot more we could have done. I think fans are a, a bit more appreciative now of the, the confines we work in and how well we're training. You're, you're looking at a net spend for Ange of about, I don't know, five, six million or something like that for the talent we've got on that on that pitch and the, if you want to be business-like about it, the the balance sheet uh, values of those players on that pitch for, for a spend of five million is just outstanding. Um and what's the first question? Just generally, are we stronger now than when we entered so, the window? I know you're saying we don't we don't know. I, I think we are. We've taken a an attitude, you know, a bad attitude. You're about shouting put Johnson in, so I think that's stronger with him and Ralston at the back. That 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 alone is stronger. You've got versatility in Iwata. The main thing about uh, UK Iwata and O is Ange wanted these guys strong, so I would be baffled if the three of those don't go on and you know really really perform for us yeah interesting debate as I say we've still got a few hours of the window to go so there might be a few curveballs you never know but um, interesting in terms of the work we've done just now and yeah over the piece by and large it looks to be a pretty positive window once again for Ange Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. So clue number one, I won 17 caps for my country between 1995 and 2004. Clue number two, I only ever won one league title with Celtic and clue number three, I've scored against AC Milan and Real Madrid in the Champions League. The answer, of course, Miff, was former Celtic striker Harold Bratback. Miff, you weren't here last week, did you get that one? <laughs> you could have lied to me there. That was a great chance. What what threw you? What was? Did you have any decent guesses? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Um, but I was a huge Harold Bratback fan. Yeah, despite the sitters. Mm. Clue number four. I've also scored against Celtic in the Champions League. Who hasn't? Oh, harsh. There's um, plenty of them, you know uh, what I mean? So, Bratback, of course, he joined from Rosenberg in December 97. Had a couple of years at the club before then heading back to Scandinavia. Joined FC Copenhagen and then ended up back at Rosenberg. He'll forever be remembered as the man who scored the clinching goal against St Johnson in May 1998 as we stopped the 10. And yep, as mentioned, he actually returned to score a double against Celtic in the Champions League in October 2001 with Rosenberg. James, your thoughts on his time at Celtic? I thought he was a very important player in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think he's one of those guys that didn't really live up to his, his talent, if I'm being honest. Um, I think he had a lot more talent in the bag that we didn't get to see. If, whether it was just psychological you know um, he was good when he was good and he was you know, did he score three or four against Kilmarnock and he should have scored eight or something like that so was it, was it Aki's or Kilmarnock one of the two um, so uh, yeah uh, he'll always be a popular figure of course 
but I think we could have got a lot more out of him if, if we'd got him the right time or the right attitude yeah I think he was I wouldn't question his attitude but I think Not he was attitude, a but mentality sorry yeah. headspace I think he was a classic confidence type of player wasn't yeah. he you could see in him I think when he was playing with Rosenberg and he was going out I think he scored in the Bernabeu and different things there's a different type of pressure you know when you're, when you're doing it with a club that aren't expected to win with Celtic the whole pressure's on every single time you pull on the shirt and I think that just weighed heavily against him it did I think he was, he was quite a quiet sort of unassuming guy um, and being the the main striker for Celtic does carry a lot of responsibility you know 60,000 there every week as well at a time when we really needed a goal scorer too I, I think it did weigh heavily on him but I, as I say I, I was a fan of his he, he was an out and out goal scorer and uh, even though he did miss a lot of chances, he still scored quite a lot of goals for Celtic, you know, and, and none more crucial than the, the goal against St. Johnson. Yeah, it'll be fondly remembered. So, yep, former Celtic striker Harold Bratback. OK, let's move on to this week's Mr. Excel. So, the score at the moment, in your absence, Smith, the boys lost again. So, for the calendar year, it's 2-1 to me at the moment. Uh, and clue number one, I won 120 caps for my country. Nakamura. I'll move on. Good job, because it's coming right up. <laughs> Clue two, I've played for three teams in the English Premier League. Sounds like you might need clue number three as well, Muff. Arthur Boric? Big Bellamy? No, not Boric, not Bellamy. And clue number three, in my only managerial job, I was sacked and then replaced by another ex-Celt. So, while the lads are having a think about that one, I want to let listeners know of a busy week we've got coming up over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. Ahead of the Livy game on Wednesday night, we'll have our usual pre-match show, followed by the post-match podcast shortly after the game itself. Then we're bringing our listeners a January transfer window special with Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports News as we get the inside story on all of Celtic's transfer dealings. Anthony's a good friend of the show and is the man in the know when it comes to the real stories behind the transfer window and we'll be bringing that one exclusively to subscribers on Friday afternoon. Finally, as we head into the weekend, we'll again have our pre- and post-match podcast for you either side of Sunday's visit to McDermott Park as the boys get set to take on St Johnson and the Scottish Premiership. So that's five additional podcasts this week alone. If you haven't already done so, you can experience the Celtic Exchange Plus now absolutely free with our seven-day trial. Simply visit theceliticexchange.com slash sign up to get started and to enjoy all the additional content we offer to subscribers. Beyond your free trial, we've got subscription options starting at just one fifty a month, so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit theceliticexchange.com slash sign up now. Muff, your smug face is annoying me. I know you've got it. Who wants to give me the answer? It's not like you do something current. Just <laughs> the man. Why are you in so much doubt? Do you pick things for the 1920s or for, you know, random things for the 80s and stuff like that? I'm amazed you picked something that's actually been in the news in the last week. That's yeah. a gimme. Something's happening here. Anyway, up. I'll not say too much more because uh, Dave here will beep out the answer so that those at fo- uh, home can have a go at this one. But yep, you've got the correct answer. It's now two each. If you think you know the answer to this week's Mystery Cell and want to get involved, then tweet us at CeltExchange using the hashtag Mystery Cell. Okay, let's now take a look at our listener's question, which this week comes from Danny McGee from County Monaghan. Danny's a good friend of the show, and thanks to him for sending the question in this week. So let's hear it now. Hi, Tino. Many thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to ask this question. Is Brendan Rodgers' legacy ruined due to the manner of his leaving, or did Peter Laurel and company facilitate his exit due to their need for total control? It's also pertinent uh, at this moment, given the way Angela and Nicholson are operating now, complete contrast to what we've had over the last 10-15 years uh, many thanks and continued success with your podcast Yep. so as you heard from Danny his question there is, is twofold so firstly did Brendan Rodgers ruin his Celtic legacy by the man on which he left the club or was a big part of his exit a result of effectively a, a power struggle between him and Peter Lowell secondly how much is that type of relationship in stark contrast to what we're seeing now and what is clearly a very strong relationship between Ange Postacoglu and Michael Nicholson James your initial response to Danny's question yeah, there's a lot of factors in this one um, <laughs> two big egos that's that's the thing you know, it's, it's, it's Lol against Rodgers two massive egos and uh, Lol was told Rodgers is your manager not Lol signing Rodgers no, Dermot Desmond said that's your new manager and Lowell's ego not like that one bit so you start off in that vein and then you've got to back him and then you start changing the dynamic and you start feeding them players if if I'm going to come down on a side on it I'm very hard because 
they're both out for number one is the problem Lotto is a huge Celtic fan I'll never take that away but this isn't really something that you know you are, none of them have behaved in the way that you or I would or any you know Celtic fan outside of those two Celtic fans you know for, for Roger's sake you know he's a huge Celtic fan you know was it Tommy Bones and Danny McGlean all that kind of stuff you know um, not too sure about that but Lowell is a, an ambitious guy always has been he'd taken that knock outside of uh, the EPL from Liverpool and this was his, his route to salvation I think it was he was planning that for a year year and a half hence but the the situation with Lowell became so untenable that when he got you know, the first sniff of an option to go, he took it. It was toxic between the two of them and something had to give. That's a long story short. Yeah. All right there, Miff. Miff, you're chuckling away there. Oh. <laughs> nearly, nearly like a wee. Anyway, sorry. Um, yes, I'm chuckling away, James. That was an excellent summation. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yes. It was a long-winded way of saying Rogers was successful, but he's also a rat. <laughs> Succinct. Um, um, I, I think I, I think you can say both. It was a rat move doing what he did. He left us completely high and dry at a really critical point, despite all his success prior to that. However, we should also recognise that we, we were on a, on a downward trajectory around quality in the squad. Lawwell, whilst they might, his ego might not have liked Rogers being appointed, he had presided over some horrible, horrible transfer dealings. Um, really, really cheap. You know, we come off the back of. Rangers not been in the league and just really cheap loan signings that weren't hadn't really any quality to a, a core squad that were crying out for a bit of help. Dyla was working with one hand tied behind his back. Rogers came in, instant change in the squad mentality. You could call it the bad apples were managed out pretty much immediately, uh, which led to a change in the squad's attitude towards the coaching and and, and what we enjoyed for those two and a half seasons you know it was just unbridled success failings in Europe for Rodgers I think Rodgers time when you look back you'll say yes he was a, a an unmitigated success as a Celtic manager but to answer, answer Danny's question and thank you for the question Danny I feel yes his legacy is, is wasted by the way that he exited I don't think he can paint it in any other way for me personally that, that led us on a road that was just, a, a, you know, completely unnecessary. It could have been done differently. I agree with James's point. He was working his ticket before that, clearly. I accept his working conditions probably weren't great, but to leave in the manner in which he did, I just felt was a, was a terrible, terrible move and, and I don't I don't forgive him for it. Yeah, and, and you've always been quite, you know, vocal on that and you, you continue to, to be so. I mean, yeah, to answer Danny's, the first part at least of the question, you know, quite specifically, did Rogers ruin his Celtic legacy by the manner in which he left? I mean, looking at the facts, just in terms of what he achieved, so, you know, what his legacy is, effectively. So he was appointed a Celtic manager on the 20th of May 2016, won back-to-back trebles, including an unbeaten treble in his first season, the Invincibles. This also included a record 69 games unbeaten domestically, which was finally ended by Hearts in December 2017. He won a further League Cup, of course, to make it seven trophies from seven before his um, underhand departure to Leicester City midway through the 2018-19 season. So I think it was actually February 2019. Um, He did, you can't argue, he set the wheels in motion for what would eventually become our historic quadruple treble. And in terms of individual players that he worked with, I would say he resurrected the Celtic careers of guys like Scott Brown, James Forrest, and also played a big part in the development of players like Kieran Tierney and Callum McGregor. So, Muff, whether you agree with the manner, manner of his departure or not, his achievements can't just be wiped from the history books, can they? I'm, I'm not asking that, that that's the case. The, the context is that had he left in an amicable manner, his legacy would be without question. However, the manner in which he left, the timing in which he left, um, can't be forgiven. In my opinion. Yeah, I I think what everyone, particularly at the time, was looking for was, you know, just keep the head, you know, play us through to the summer, sign a pre contract even if you want, you know, and plenty of time. What did he really do in Leicester between February and May? I'll put it that way, you know. Did it was anything significant in Not there? Not much. So just to to push back as such, his argument after making the move was that 
Leicester said they wouldn't wait for him so it was now or never type thing that, that's the part I don't buy at yeah. all does his agent know any good at his job at all because you see if you want this guy you get him in the summer give you all the prep you could even have worked a deal with Celtic but there's going to be a bit of consultancy from Rodgers to Leicester they say I need this mm-hmm. I need that I'm going to assess this and that and I appreciate you, you know when a manager is not fully focused but it would been better than you know just leaving in the middle of the night as, as Miff says you know that, that was underhand behaviour but it's the game we're in you know if you're looking to find a split between, and this is the crux, I suppose, of the the, the question, good question for Danny, because it's you know there's, there's, it's multifaceted, but the crux of the question is, <laughs> who do you blame for losing ten in a row? Right, that, this is where it kind of comes to, and the two of them are hand in hand on it. You know, I, I don't really blame Neil Lennon, blame Neil Lennon's agent a wee bit for you know not having him resign quicker, but it's really this is a a Rogers Law production in terms of where we ended, but beyond Rogers leaving, the pattern continued. And that is lol. So the majority for me sits with lol because the attitude of just try and do it in the cheap, just try and squeak it by and signing guys in the last minute, signing guys that once you're out of the Champions League, all of these things continued until it had gone too far. And then 10 row was gone and it was just, you know, we're in absolute shambles. And just, we couldn't have got luckier than signing Nanj Postacoglu because that could have gone another way as well. I think there's been, at that point, there's been a real, well, actually, it's a Dom McKay's leaving. There's been a real change in attitude at Celtic and it's modern, fresh thinking that we didn't have. And if we had had five years ago in the run-up to, to 10 in a row, we discussed it. Yeah, and just while you're in that train of thought, so to ask you quite specifically, do you put any of Rodgers' exit, you know, timing of the in the move and all that stuff February 2019 do you put any of that down to Peter Lowell or is this all just on Brendan Rodgers does he have to take full responsibility for that we don't know the working conditions we don't know how broken down the relationship had potentially come at that point so you know is it all on Rodgers just being I know I mean single minded I, I think a lot of what put Lowell, uh, Rodgers in the frame of mind that he had to leave is all on Lowell but you know, every man's responsible for his own, his own actions and it's Rodgers that could have said, yep, I'm this big Celtic fan guy. You know, I can see this through to the, the end of the season. There's always a way, you know, to, to work that contract with Leicester that you get the job in the summer. So I don't believe that it was easy, a go now or nothing, you know. And in the fairness of full disclosure, I think signing a Shved was maybe the tipping point as well. Maybe, very maybe. Think, Amongst others. Yeah. Um, Shved was kind of brought to him like, there you go. He was asked a question at press conference. Yeah, it's a, a deal the cupboard looking at or something. Yeah, like that. he said I've got a million wingers. I don't need more wingers. As he was being announced. Yeah, there was lots of stuff. I, I dare say, there's some stuff that we've heard about as supporters. There's so many things we won't have heard about. Things that have gone on behind the scenes, and maybe it was just a step too far. Maybe something was the straw that broke the camel's back, and Rogers said, "I can't work under these conditions." I suppose we'll never really know. Um, I, I, it, I think we will in the end. You know, be a book about that in three, four years or something. Well, maybe so. The other point you made there, James, is that. It's kind of just a modern game. There's no sen- sentimentality in football, you know, these days, and ambition will often trump everything. Now, I totally agree, James. Peter Lowell is 100% a Celtic fan. Brendan Rodgers is first and foremost a Brendan Rodgers fan, and everything else falls. I think, I think they both are Lowell fans and Rodgers fans, not of each other, yeah. of themselves. But we see it frequently, if that's part of the game these days. We do, but see if Ange does it. Man, forget about even asking me back on I'll just be done If Ange does it to us, I'm done yeah. I'll be chucking every pair of grey trousers I want out yeah. I mean the example just now you know, Topical is the, the young lad Anthony Gordon So he's getting a lot of uh, grief from He's leaving Everton so I think he's been at Everton since he was 11 years of age He's now 21 or something And he's leaving to sign for Newcastle And he is getting all the the backlash for that apparently he refused to train a few times to, to engineer this move and he's just the latest guy you know this is part of football I, I don't know if he's an Everton fan at heart or whatever the story is but this happens you know week on week month on month every other transfer window and I suppose it just it, it stings a bit when it's so close to home you know it's such a a pressured time in Celtic's history and, and as you say James the underlying question Danny's not mentioned it but the underlying theme is the 10 going bust yeah of course it is but you know I, I think fans can be you know very mature about these things you know if the situation's right nobody gave Kieran Tierney any stick for going well actually I think a few idiots yeah, did right some folk did but no doubt, some folk not, did. Not, not anyone with any sense and I think you're talking about 90-95% of Celtic fans were going that's, that's good for the boy the Gordon situation at Everton is just that's not even a conversation 
his agent saying, do you want to stay amongst this absolute madness or do you want to go to Eddie Howe's Newcastle? Mm-hmm. You can take a view that I don't want to you know, play for a team like Newcastle for other reasons, but Eddie Howe is an attractive manager to play for and it's going to drive his career on. There's there's no debate on that, you know? I know, I mean, the the alternative for Anthony Gordon is you just stay at Everton for the rest of your career to keep some mad fans happy. Aye. And that can't be the move either. I mean, the b- bigger question then, so just to finalise on this point of Danny's question, um, if they were to decide to return to Celtic Park one day, whenever that might be in the future, should Brendan Rodgers, and I want to throw Neil Lennon into this as well, two guys who achieve so much for the club, on and off the park in Lennon's case, should they be afforded a warm welcome by the support? Listen, and whether that's next year, five years, ten years, at some point, should they be able to come back? You know, say, say we're celebrating the quadruple treble, the anniversary of that, for example. Hey, t- time will heal. Absolutely. Time will heal it, I think. Um, but I suppose it's just down to what you, how you feel personally. Um, season ticket holder, you know, go every week, watch a team. It's your team, that's why you feel so emotive, or why it's so emotive, that's why you feel so emotional about it. Um, because it's happening to your team. The greatest respect to Everton, Anthony Gordon, Newcastle could not give a toss. It's when it happens to your own team that it becomes that that type of uh, issue. You know, Gordon's probably not helped himself with getting a princess that he do it before, but um, I think for in the context of Rogers, would I welcome him back? I suppose I'm torn on that because whilst, whilst I have made my feelings pretty clear on it, I also need to respect the enjoyment that I was given by his teams, you know, taking my son to a cup final, winning the double treble, we were, we were at the double treble. Um, you know, we went to a few of the semi-finals at Hamden as well through that run. The the initial Champions League, you know, the three three draw Man City is probably at, as good an atmosphere as, as I've experienced at Celtic Park. It closely followed by the, the Rangers game, so you know th- th- there were definite positives there. I need to be mindful of that as well. But but ultimately, it's just right now. It's still it's still heavily heavily rankles me. Lennon Lennon's a bit different. I def- I'd, 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 that, you'd need another full hour on the Lennon thing I'd need, I'd need to, I'd, I've, I've got a lot of things I would need to get off my chest yeah. along that. I, 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 I can hear no, it in you my fucking no, 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 so no, I'm not ready for that I'm not ready for that I, I, I think time to yeah just to summarise I think too soon for my fault but you I think time heals Lennon's situation you know um, and I was bitterly bitterly disappointed not only the fact that well Law's offered him a job. What's he going to do? Say no. You know, so he's got to take the job, right? But we all knew. We were all on that bus coming out of Hamden. We all knew it was wrong, right? Fine. It was more the fact that he knew he'd lost control. It wasn't going to happen. This is like, I think I put something on the group about September time or something. I said, panic now and avoid the rush because it's time to panic. And the story went that Lennon saw that. You know, he's an astute football guy. He knew what was going on. He went, I'm not, I'm not able to do this with this group of players. And he's a Celtic fan. He wants ten in a row as much as anyone. And he went to make the move to resign, and his agent stopped him, which is his agent's job because he's looking to get fired and get paid. But then Lol, being Lol, wouldn't fire him because they were trying to save the money and they were doing all the fans aren't controlling us. And all, all these these things that, that come into play. But the difference between Lennon and Rogers is Lennon had huge stock in the bank, and will will continue to do so as as a you know, Celtic legend. And the words used too often. It wasn't for Neil Lennon, you know, he's done a lot as a player and a manager and he's a genuine fan and that's a big difference as well. He is a genuine Celtic fan. I don't think time will save Rodgers. I think if you brought him out for the, the, the Paradise, you know, the, the, the raffle, Paradise Winfall at halftime in 20 years, he would get annihilated. Uh-huh. I really do. And that's not really a personal feeling. I, I, I admire him as a manager. I think he'll, he should just take the walk for, for Leicester and get on it. And I think he'll go and do, you know, Good things in the game, big things. You know, he's, he's a talented guy, and he brings that professionalism. You know that we certainly required. You know, as we were trying to mature a bit, we as a club. You know, foundations put in place by Dyla, to be fair. But I don't think, just given the manner manner of his departure, he was two faced about it all. And you don't tell lies about Danny McGrain and expect to be forgiven. James, as long as I'm here on this podcast, you'll be here. And that's, You've changed your tune. That's all I've earlier. Until 10 minutes' time. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I just wonder, James, you know, 2043, 
uh, half time involved brought to you by Brendan Rodgers wait a minute then uh, how, how do you feel if I was uh, trying to skip that one it. no 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 uh, I'm not sure I, I, I do think just you've got to put in context what they achieved first and foremost you know both of them both very successful managers a lot of trophies between the two of them and certainly the on-field stuff from the Lennon I feel stronger that Lennon should be afforded the legend status absolutely James I agree with you there I also feel that somewhere down the line Brendan Rodgers oversaw part of you know one of our most successful leaders as supporters and there's something in that but I'm probably a wee bit towards where you're at in terms of it's certainly too soon just now like last week you skirted the question Magic 8 will ask again later Ask me again so, yeah. in three, four, five years' time and we'll see. I'd like to think we could forgive and forget. Maybe we're better than that, maybe we're not. I don't know. Um, definitely Neil Lennon should be afforded the legend status and maybe Rogers in years to come. But even as a, as a broader question, even if all three of us could for, for both of those guys, I'm, you know, one of the things to talk about is would the fans, you know, the, the, the greater group of Celtic fans, and I think in time Lennon would, uh, honestly, I, th- I really think Rogers would be pelted if he came on the pitch. Maybe so. Final point on it. Um, Fergus McCann get booed at Celtic Park once upon a time. Mob mentality. And, and now, Scottish media. Now you ask the support by and large, they're saying he should have a statue out front. So time changes everything. And I just think that's the point. It might change things over time. You never know. Brendan Rodgers may come out post-managerial career and jump on the redemption train and see where he goes. Well, the, the, the interesting part is the part that, that James mentioned around if we get some sort of disclosure from either Lowell or Rogers as to what actually happened in the working conditions that were there that shine a, a different sort of, or a more intense light on it, we could maybe all jump to different conclusions, but still, without that fact, without knowing that, based on the, the timing and what was at stake at that time, we can't forget that. The the, the ninth or the eighth hadn't, hadn't even been won. Ninth? Ninth? Eighth? Ninth. We're just about to secure the eighth. Yeah, we're just about to secure yeah. the eighth. The eighth, still, the ninth, the eighth yeah, yeah. still hadn't been won yeah, at that point. Yeah. We, were, we were ahead, but you know, Lennon did a great job securing that. Aye. So, uh, aye. Oh, why did we need to get back there, man? Jeez. You're not ready. You're not ready, uh, are you? Oh, it's, it's definitely. It's a question worth debating. It will continue to be debated, you know, for years to come. And it's a, it's a cracking question. Just to close out on it and, and to spend a very short bit of time here on part two of Danny's question. So. Without knowing exactly how it's all playing out behind the scenes at the moment, what we're now seeing is what appears to be a very warm relationship and a very positive relationship between Ange, Michael Nicholson and the various other support staff at the club. Uh, You never know how quickly things can change in football, but for now, James, things do seem to be in a very harmonious place and and everyone does seem to be pulling in the same direction. It's just... You don't judge people on what they say, you judge them on what they do. And everything that Ange and Nicholson are doing, we can see it with our own eyes. That guy's showing a bad attitude, gone. I need somebody to left back in. You know, these things are, are genuinely happening. I need a more professional youth structure that's coming in. You know, we've got two new guys, McManus, no day, taking over the team there. You know, everything that we're, we're looking for is happening. It's the action you're seeing. So you can give it paper talk and PR and all these things. They don't cover action. You know, the action is there. We can all see it. It's working. As to your point, you know, you can, can change it on a dime if somebody comes in and looks for Ange for, for mad money. And guys are saying, oh, he's in a 12-month contract and all these things. We need to sign him down in five years. That just means more compensation. doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything in terms of, you know, where we are. Ange said quite clearly he wants to, you know, be challenged. And as once the challenges, you know, fade, he'll look for something new because he needs that in his life. I think that can come as quickly as the end of next season, as you know, as he, as he's gone through a Champions League campaign. So Celtic will be. He seems like the kind of guy he's not going to flit in the middle of the night. He'll be working with Nicholson and saying, you know, that was a great Champions League campaign, but that's ticked a big box for me. I want to try something new. Yeah. I think we'll know about it in advance. Cheers, James. Miff's crying. <laughs> no. you, you had him there at the prospect of the end of next season. This is this is reality. Last point, Miff. So I was going about how the fact that. Football people should be left to make football decisions. I think that's what's happening just now with Ange and, and his support team and that the business mind should focus on the, the business side of the club. I'm not sure that's what happened, you know, at, at the time when Peter Lawwell was CEO, but it does look like it's happening now and I think we're seeing the full benefits of it. Absolutely. Unified boardroom throughout, throughout the team. Uh, it's what we've been crying out for and it's what was sorely missing for, for so many years. Probably contributed to those... those um, are the tough times that both those managers we were discussing previously have had, but
but ultimately we've got the right man at the helm now. He's someone who's just unified the whole the whole club and probably as warmly received a Celtic manager I can remember probably since Martin O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. It's another great question. Plenty to debate, as I said, and thanks again to Danny for sending that one in. If you want to submit your question to us for discussion on any future shows, then you can do so in one of three ways. Number one, you can leave a voicemail directly on our website via the microphone icon on the bottom right of any page of the site. Number two, you can send us a message on social media at our Twitter, Instagram or Facebook page. Or finally, you can email me directly on tino at thecelticexchange.com. Time for this week in Celtic media. Each week here on the weekly show, one of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. I say one of the team. It's always James. It's never my enemy. <laughs> so yeah, this week, you know, our days, watch my... Eh, Documentaries and things like that I don't really That's it watch. Don't like films Yeah This week James you've got something else for us What have you got? Just a wee light one this week Just a, a bit of fun So obviously uh, Burns Day uh, Last week And they had a, a It was Taylor and Johnson Having a bit of a um, What does this word mean? No, Hodger Weist and all these kind of things. So it's just good to see the kind of camaraderie and the, the bonding, particularly with a new guy. And you get Johnson talking about, oh yeah, Ralston's like that and he's like that. And you know, he's he's in the, the culture we, we talk about a lot in Angie's dressing room that or Cal McGregor's dressing room, that you know, it doesn't take long and you're obviously selected as the kind of person that can fit that culture and Ange, Ange needs that. And if you're not the kind of person that fits that culture, you go. So it's, it shows you just wee insights as to how quickly Johnson's got up to speed with, you know, the, the dressing room and the culture and, the, and the, the way the players are working. And it's just good fun. You know, the, the two of them are, you know, having a bit of a laugh over. Interestingly, Greg Taylor, who's only for Kilmarnock, didn't know what some of the Glaswegian slang meant. I know. So, come on, Greg. He missed the boat. Bit. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think you're right, you know, the... You know, so it's called Burns Night, a guide to Scottish slang, featuring Greg Taylor and Alistair Johnson. As it's all the usual stuff, it's you know, bell your head and give me the book and go and no do that and all that <laughs> nonsense. Um, it's quite a short feature, less than ten minutes long. But the most important thing about it, you know, it is a light-hearted piece. But more importantly, it just shows that camaraderie that's definitely in the dressing room. And Johnson's fitted right in, and I'm sure McGregor and other senior players and guys who have been around the block play a big part in that. And it just seems a, a genuine, you know, happy place to be. Absolutely, I, I do think it, it's important. You know, abilities obviously one thing, but I do. I, th- I think a certain type of character is uh, selected by Ange as well. I just also want to point out throughout the course of this recording, there has been a couple of very strong clicks from James. Like, I mean, it might have got picked up on the microphone, but I mean, oh, quality! Must be just the microphone. Ah, no, it's quality. Quality. Top clicking. Um, That's what the fans are here for. <laughs> my thought about Alistair Johnson himself, himself. So he's only been in the club a short time, but. Looks to have fitted in very well, doesn't he? Absolutely. Just so athletic, powerful runner, perfect fit for an Ange team. Take the point that James made earlier around final third. We're expecting maybe to see a wee bit more from him. He also almost looks a wee bit tentative when he gets there. Um, But I think that will come in time. Uh, Just another really exciting sign. Yeah, and it's a decent wee watch. So as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode. James, two more games this week and a chance to pick up another six points. How are you feeling ahead of the Livingston and St Johnson games and what's your final thoughts for the week? I'm feeling cold ahead of the Livy game. It's going to be nice and cold. Um, but that, that's a good one to get, you know. It's um, interesting, you know, Rangers away to, to Hearts, I think, is that right? Yeah. yeah same night, so could be interesting. Congratulations, by the way, on James Tavernier scoring his fifth penalty <laughs> uh, against Hearts <laughs> on Wednesday night. Exactly. Good luck to him. Yeah, uh, we'll just we'll, we'll leave it alone for for this week. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, it's it's a good time. We're going to be post transfer window at, at that point as well. I think what's really interesting just now is, is as a trans- transfer window closes, you start to look at, you know, are we okay for the season? You start to look at right, who's not going to make it for Champions League level for the the summer window? What, what's happening then? And that's how Celtic are are working as as a as a company as a club. And it's, it's certainly starting to change the way I'm looking at you. Football transfer windows were all about the here and now. And now you're starting to go, you can start to think a wee bit more strategically in line with the way the club's thinking. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying that that side of things. And we can really you know finish the season strong, get the treble and then go strong in the Champions League. Very nice. Muff, a busy old time as always between games, transfers and everything else that goes on at Celtic. But the final word this week goes to you. What are you going with? What am I going with? Just uh, more of the same, please. Celtic, it's, it's been really enjoyable since I've come back. 
after the World Cup, they've, they've been really, really strong. The, the games are now kind of getting ticked off. Uh, we just keep on winning. It's 15 uh, to go, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so if they just keep up at this level, I, I think for me, what's most encouraging is it feels like we're actually we're going through another wee jolt of mini improvement again. There's there's individuals who maybe had dropped off slightly, and I only say slightly, who seem to have been the most prominent, who, who look like they're really coming back and showing that bit of flair, which was always got to be the case after after a, a mid-season break. So, yeah, I think a, a lot of reasons to be cheerful. So that wraps things up for the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. I hope you all enjoyed James's final appearance on the show. But thanks to James and Miff for joining me. And as always, our thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to visit the CelticExchange.com slash sign up in time for our transfer window special with Anthony Joseph and to start your seven day free trial. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.